The Devil Within, the hit true crime podcast, is back with a terrifying journey into the mind of a madman. In the 1970s, New York City had it all. Hip-hop, punk rock, and the Son of Sam. The Devil Within, a season in hell, is available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free by subscribing on Apple, searching the Murder Diaries ad-free on Spotify, or subscribing on Patreon. Welcome to another episode of The Murder Diaries. I'm Natalie. And I'm Paige. In 1970, the state of Colorado had a population of around 2.2 million people, and 137 of those Colorado residents were murdered that year. Crime in the 1970s in the United States skyrocketed from the previous decade. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, the homicide rate increased from 4.6 per 100,000 U.S. residents in 1962 to 9.7 per 100,000 by 1979. That's a 100% increase. Also in the 1970s, the term femicide started being widely used, and it's not hard to see why. In 1973, 467 girls between the ages of 15 and 19 were killed in the U.S. 4,625 total women were murdered in the U.S. that year. We tried to find the statistics that focused on the murder of teenage girls in the 1970s, but it was hard to come by a study that focused on that specific demographic. Today, we're discussing the murder of one such teenage girl in Colorado. Her name was Marilee Burke. This is her story. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Marilee Ruth Burt was born on January 28, 1955, to her mother, Sherry. She had two brothers and grew up in Colorado. Marilee's family was well-known in the area for their car dealerships, specifically Burt Chevrolet, which was owned by her grandfather, Nate Burt. Marilee's father was the vice president and general manager of Burt Chevrolet. In 1970, Marilee attended Goddard Middle School in Littleton, Colorado, and lived in the Columbine Valley area. She was a cheerleader for her school, and it was something that she loved doing, so much so that she planned on auditioning for the high school cheer team the following year. That brings us to February 26th, 1970, what started out as a normal day for 15-year-old Marilee. That morning, she met with her guidance counselor, Ruth Falkenstein, and they discussed what her schedule would be like in high school. Ruth would later describe Marilee to the Littleton Independent as a bright gal and such a pretty little thing. After school that day, Marilee had a cheer at a basketball game at the school. After the game, she went to a friend's house, which was located at 6000 Middlefield Road. And when she was ready to go home, she called her mom, Sherry, asking to be picked up at the friend's house. Unfortunately, Sherry mixed up the locations and instead of driving to the friend's house to get Mary Lee, she drove to the school. But when Sherry didn't show up, Mary Lee decided to walk home, a distance of two miles. When Mary Lee left her friend's house, she was still wearing her green and yellow cheerleader uniform. It's unclear how or when Sherry realized when she was in the wrong location. We don't know if she went to the friend's house or just went back home assuming that Marilee was going to walk. What we do know is that Marilee never made it back home. Three and a half hours after she left her friend's house, Marilee Burt was reported missing. 
The Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office jumped into action as soon as the missing person's report was made. They spent all night and the following day canvassing and conducting searches in the area where Marilee was last seen. That next day, February 27th, the search for Marilee came to a screeching stop after a Jefferson County road crew found the unthinkable, Marilee Burt's nude body. Marilee's body was found half-submerged under a bridge in Deer Creek Canyon, which was about 10 miles from Marilee's friend's house. Her cheerleading uniform and the school supplies that she had with her were all missing and remain unaccounted for to this day. An autopsy determined that a heavy, blunt object had been used to knock Marilee unconscious, although her skull wasn't fractured. Her cause of death was determined to be strangulation and a 10-foot piece of rope was around her neck when she was found. It was also determined that she had been sexually assaulted. There were several things on Marilee's body that were later tested for DNA. Including the rope around her neck, investigators found skin cells under Marilee's fingernails, wood splinters in her fingers, and metal shavings in her hair. The rope was tested by the FBI, and although a black hair was found on the rope, a DNA match was never made. The skin cells under Marilee's fingers led the police to believe that she had fought her attacker. And lastly, investigators believed that the metal shavings in Marilee's hair had come from a machine shop. Marilee's murder shook the town of Littleton. Residents became more cautious and had a higher regard for safety. And according to the Littleton Independent, Marilee's murder made families start locking their doors for the very first time. Something we've come to learn was super uncommon in the 1970s. Marilee's guidance counselor, Ruth, told the Littleton Independent, quote, we were a closer-knit community back then. It made people paranoid. Early on in the investigation, police discovered that Marilee was seen by several people walking home on February 26th, including by her own brother. Other people who saw her said that she was walking on Berry Drive, Bull Avenue, and Middlefield Road. Marilee's brother, Raymond, who was just 16 at the time, said that as he was driving home, he saw a girl in pigtails walking near the 6,000 block of South Middlefield Road, which is where Marilee's friend lived. Raymond said that he didn't know the girl was Marilee because he didn't see her face. Another reason why Raymond claims he didn't recognize the girl was it was strange for Marilee to be wearing pigtails. Marilee also wasn't supposed to be walking home, which made the entire incident unusual. Right after he passed Marilee, Raymond saw a man in a truck which was driving in the opposite direction flash its brights and pull over next to Marilee. The truck was light in color with a light top and a dark bottom and possibly a 1968-1970 model. Raymond described the man as being 30 to 40 years old, white, and having dark brown hair with a receding hairline and long square sidelines. According to Raymond, Marilee started talking to the man in the truck. And it was at that point Raymond was too far for Marilee and didn't know what happened next. This episode is brought to you in part by Thrive Market. I cannot express how much I love Thrive. First of all, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to grocery shopping and I don't want to go to a billion stores to find all of the more nutrient-dense options that I'm looking for. Specifically with snacks, I'm looking for nutrient-dense options for my husband who is a huge snacker. Let me tell you, he loves pretty much everything Thrive has to offer. Another great thing about Thrive, which I don't think a lot of people realize, is that they don't just sell food. For example, in my last shipment from Thrive, I got laundry detergent. I bought 
shampoo and conditioner and other body care products. And all of the products that they carry are super conscientious about what they have in their ingredients, which I think is super important when buying stuff to put on my skin, to wash my clothes in, to wash my dishes with. I am always looking to thrive for good quality, healthy, non-toxic products. And as a Thrive member, I save money every time I order from them. I save over 30% every time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-to-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash diaries for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash diaries. Thrivemarket.com slash diaries. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Something about the girl on the side of the road stuck with Raymond, and around five minutes later, he turned around and drove back towards where he saw her. At that point, Raymond was worried that the girl was Marilee. When he got back to where he had seen her, she was gone. The man in the truck was also gone. Raymond was the last person to see Marilee alive. Police naturally assumed that either Marilee got into the truck or was forcibly put into the truck. Marilee's family thought if Marilee talked to the man or got into his truck willingly, then he was someone she knew. Raymond is haunted by this moment. He told Denver 7 that he wished he had stopped when he first saw Marilee. He said that the incident plays in his head on a loop. When investigators learned what Raymond had seen, they focused on finding Marilee's belongings and the truck he saw. Within a few days after finding Marilee's body, police had received between 50 and 70 tips about the truck Raymond saw. Some people reported seeing a truck in the area around 6.50 p.m. Other people stated that they saw what Raymond saw, a truck pulling up next to Marilee at around 6.45 p.m. on Middlefield Road. And a few minutes later, the truck quickly drove off, almost running a stop sign in the process of getting away. And unfortunately, neither the clothing nor the truck were ever found. While Marilee's belongings in the truck were being searched for, eight Arapahoe County Sheriff's officers were talking to families in the Columbine Valley area and to people who knew Marilee. The officers were also looking into sex offenders in the area. In total, 20 Arapahoe County Sheriff's officers were working on the case, and several officers from the Eaglewood Police Department were also helping. Around a week after the murder, on March 4th or 5th, meetings were being held by the police to discuss the status of the case. Unfortunately, at the time, the police had no new or helpful leads. The only major theory police had was the possibility that Marilee's murder was connected to the murder of another Columbine Valley girl in 1969, Connie Paris. 18-year-old Connie was found murdered at the edge of Bear Creek Park a year earlier in 1969. Like Marilee, Connie's body was naked and she had been strangled and sexually assaulted. Her clothing was also missing. Other than the possible connection to Connie Paris, Police had no lead strong enough to go off of. 
Then in April, only two months after her murder, local papers stopped reporting on the case altogether. Eventually, the connection to Connie Paris fizzled out as well when it was determined that the DNA from Marilee's case didn't match DNA found in Connie's case. And for the next several decades, Marilee's case turned cold. It wasn't until 1998, almost 30 years after the murder, that a review of the case began. The new detectives started looking into the DNA that had been found on Marilee's body. It's a bit unclear what exactly happened to the DNA at the time of the first investigation, but the new investigators found viable DNA in an evidence locker. And from there, a DNA profile was made. This profile was able to exclude over 20 suspects in the case, including Marilee's family. Several other suspects were people who knew Marilee and had willingly given their DNA for testing. There were two suspects who hadn't given DNA willingly, and that's because they were dead. One of the men's DNA had been collected during an autopsy, and the police were able to use it in their comparison, while the other man's family agreed to give DNA samples. Both men were eventually ruled out as suspects. Another person the police were able to take off the suspect list was a man who had a sex offense record dating back to 1955. This man had also been a volunteer gymnastics instructor for Marilee. At one point, this man was the prime suspect in the case because he told police that he had, quote, probably had feelings of wanting to have sex with her. He later told police that his main victims were underage girls and that his MO involved, quote, picking them up in vans and sexually assaulting them. Like I mentioned, he was taken off the suspect list, but it's unclear how police were able to rule this man out. One of the main detectives on the case, Detective Bruce Isaacson, said there were seven or 10 suspects we really thought could have been our guy. We even exhumed a body to test it, but we never got a hit. From that point on, investigators focused on quietly ruling out suspects. The exact details in the investigation have been kept close to the chest, so it's unclear how police identified suspects, what interviews they conducted, and how they were eventually able to rule out suspects. The next time Marilee's case was in the news was in 2002. That's because in February of that year, an interview with Detective Isaacson was released in the Rocky Mountain News. In the article, Detective Isaacson said, quote, witnesses and suspects are getting older, they're dying. This is probably our last chance. He added that he and his partner had spoken to over 100 people since 1998 about Marilee's murder. He also stated they hadn't ruled out the idea that there was more than one person involved in the murder. In the month following the release of the Rocky Mountain News, police received over 40 tips about Marilee's murder. A few of these tips were new information about people who are already on police's radar. But because there is so little public information about the case, we don't know the details of these tips. And for the next 18 years, the case was quiet. Until February of 2020, when a Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office captain told Denver 7 that the department had received a tip that turned the case into a top priority. But once again, we don't know the nature of this tip. Despite the fact that the case is now over 50 years old, no one in the Littleton community has forgotten about Lee. The Arapahoe County investigator who oversees the case, Nikki Bales, told the Littleton Independent that the sheriff's office gets around six tips a year about the case, saying this is our second oldest cold case, but it's the one that still gets the most calls. It rocked the community. No one's ever forgotten about it. Then in May 2021, the Metro Denver Crime Stoppers increased the reward in the case to $30,000 for information leading to an arrest. There has been no public movement in the case since the announcements in 2020. 
The DNA in the case is run against every new piece of DNA that's entered into the national database. So if a match comes through, investigators will know about it right away. Unfortunately, at the time of this recording, no matches have been made. Hopefully, with the increasing advancements in DNA technology, detectives will soon be able to solve this case. Marilee Burt was a normal teenager who was looking forward to high school and to advancing her cheerleading career. She decided to walk home instead of waiting for a ride, something that I'm sure many of us, myself included, have done before. It's been 53 years and Marilee and her family are still awaiting justice. So here's your call to action. If you have any information about the murder of Marilee Burt, you can call the Crime Stoppers at 720-913-7867 or visit MetroDenverCrimestoppers.com. And remember, tipsters can remain anonymous. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials at the Murder Diaries pod. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.